Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast episode 86. This week, are we in a property recession? It's going to be an interesting episode where Bob and I unpack our thoughts, educated and educated thoughts. It's a bit of an opinion piece today, but we know you're going to get a lot out of it because we will be stating plenty of facts which will help you on your journey. So let's jump right into episode 86. episode 86 as I said are we in a property recession just a bit of a chat with Bob and myself today around what we think's going on and I want you to before we even dive into it I want you to think back to uh, for those that follow us think back to the during the start of the C word COVID or during COVID and there were plenty of naysayers saying there's going to be a property crash it's going to be this and that and you can go back on our Facebook page where Bob stood up and said this will make property go nuts and he was bang on so he's probably worth listening to on this one anyway thanks Bob Welcome. <laughs> it's our <laughs> podcast now with Bob and Hillary. Yeah, I've, I've infiltrated your podcast. Well, it's all, I don't know why we started it with just my name. Oh, well, you're, you've, you've got an opinion. You've done plenty of, uh, plenty of property deals yourself. Maybe that was it. I don't know. You're an expert in your own right. But, but I invited you as a guest and, yeah. then, and then you just stayed. The guest that stayed. I know. It's a little bit <laughs> how the relationship started, I suppose. <laughs> just a bit of a guest that stayed on. Oh, well. There's a really good story around that. We should. A lot of people that's, know that's it. That's a podcast on its own. It one. is. It's really about the tenacity of a property developer. Oh. <clears throat> anyway, Bob. Crikey. Yeah, recession, hey? Uh, They're oh, hard words. Uh, I know. Recession's <laughs> such a scary word. Yeah, it is. Are we in a property recession? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, what, what, what is a property recession? I mean, we know what an economic recession is, hmm. you know, the old technical, you know, two quarters of negative growth in a row, but property recession. Yeah, I've exactly. heard the term about there what a is, bit. What, de- what defines it? Well... It's hard to define a property recession as opposed to an economic recession, but I think what it's about is we've seen property values come back, particularly in the later half of uh, 2022, in Mm -hmm. some areas, Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe that's the recession part. The question is, is it going to continue? Is it a trend? Are falling values a trend? Has it hit rock bottom? Is it almost hit rock bottom? Have have we got a, a long way to go? I think that's what is meant when people talk about a property recession. And who even said the word there? Because there are some naysayers out there. There are. There, there, always, are. there always are nas- naysayers. But na- narcissists, naysayers, I never sorry. said Nazis or narcissists. Oh, but there but are we meant naysayers. <laughs> naysayers out there. And that, that, look, that's always the way. But there, there are a few so-called negative things out there that we've been hearing about for a little while. And I think like we, well, I think what people are mostly aware of, but we should pinpoint, often naysaying is just clickbait. People oh, are okay, trying to yes, sell you something yeah. or... Clickbait. Yeah, it's a, it's a clickbait Headlines thing. Headlines on posts or whatever it is. Yeah, so you're course. like, what? I want to read it. Yeah, but we've been seeing values come back, hmm. uh, like, you know, in the second half, as I said, of 2022, in, in, in some places. We've seen rising interest rates as well. Hmm. And we have heard a lot about the R word recession so if you think sorry inflation let me say that again the R word inflation (laughs) the R word inflation property developers aren't very good spellers oh my goodness (laughs) so we've heard about recession we've heard about rising interest rates we haven't just heard about it we've seen it and we've seen some values go back in places so you could say they're three negative things Mm. and so when they're all in the mix together 
it's not hard for you know people who don't really understand how how the market works, how the property market works, how economics works to to get a little bit depressed, a little bit scared. And, and I think it depends also how and where you see that. If it's given to you as in this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, mm. straight away your brain is going to go to a negative place. But yeah. when you when they're seen in isolation and you see realistically what's happening and what's happened historically, yep. I think the whole the whole thing probably comes out with a different light, which we'll probably allude to yeah, pretty that's soon. Spot on. As you said, tr- look at them in isolation, even yeah. though like we live through all of them. Yes. And treat them individually because they're, they're different drivers, different mm. commodities, you know. And, and then just see how how it's behaved historically, like mm. you said, in the past. And at the end of the day, like we look at the fundamentals. Yes. Over time, not something that happens out of left field in a very small amount of time. We've got to look at the bigger picture, and mm. the bigger picture incorporates looking at things over a longer period, mm. particularly you know, things like property. Well, people have to have somewhere to live. Good point. You <laughs> know, food and shelter are the two basic commodities for life. And shelter, whether whether you live in one... You must shoes, Bob. And rent, whether you live in it and own it, or shoes. Yes. Well, shoes could be, uh, you know, one, could be the third commodity to sustain life in your case. But um, if you think about, you know, we're, people are either owners or renters. Yes. But we have to have shelter. And it, it behaves in certain ways. It, it, it follows fundamental rules. Mm, and, it, and it is impacted by all of those mm. things we've talked about. Yeah, sure. But it's how it becomes But not impacted. in absolute isolation. No, like, and they don't all have the same impact. No. Interest rates, do that, does that affect property? Very general comment. answer is yes, but is it the only thing? No. Because what's the, what's the rest of the economy like? You know, nationally, is it, is it a strong economy? What's, what's employment like at, at the time? You know, if you can have uh, properties that are receding in value when employment could be like 8% and people are worried about their jobs and security, uh, public opinion, that, that, that there's a lot of drivers in there and uh, you can't just jump on the wagon of one and say it's the end of the world. Mm. But, you know, back to is property in a recession, is, is it receding? The question is, have properties gone down in value? That's the first thing and the answer is what? In some states, yes, and, and definitely in Sydney and Melbourne there's been... Mm. There's been a, a drop in price, but nationally, it's been about 4.3%. And that's yeah. a big national. But you've got to look at the other three yeah. states, Perth, uh, Adelaide and Brisbane, have all have they're, not they're had the a... biggest. They yeah. have not had a price no. um, decrease at all. No. They've I, gone I, up. I think in, in the calendar year 2022, because we've got the stats for that, mm. it takes a little while for the statistics to come out, you're right. Sydney went back, I think, a little bit over nine percent. Uh, Melbourne, I think, was a bit over. Was it At four? Six or four? Four. Just checking. No, I did have a few stats down there. Yeah. So they're our two biggest cities. So if you got if you got Sydney going back like nine, Melbourne going back six, it's going to impact the national figures. Then but we it's had only Brisbane part up, of a story. Brisbane up three. Yep. Perth was close to seven. Close to seven. On up. We're talking up here. Up, up. And Adelaide was... Up a bit over four, four, four point three or something, I think it was. 4.3. So, you know, good news there. But the way they work the average, you're right, the yep. average uh, for 2022, I think it was 4.3 minus. So mm-hmm. a drop in values of 4.3% for the year nationally. But drag down, you could say... <laughs> 
by, sorry guys, in Sydney and Melbourne, but dragged by, down by Sydney and Melbourne. And the way they, they work it out is it's not just the averages of those cities, no, it's the number the of, amount of properties, the amount of properties yes. in those cities. And so because there's such a large number of properties in Sydney and Melbourne compared to collectively the other cities, the other capitals, it has that, that added effect. Yeah, that's what determines that whole drop 4.3% mm. nationally when in reality Perth, Brisbane and Perth's Adelaide had a went good up. recovery. Great for Perth. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't mention it, but but, but the others even, uh, Hobart and Darwin, they're all positive. It yes. was only uh, Sydney and Melbourne that were negative during, during the year. Question is, I guess, when we're talking about recessions, is that going to continue? Is the trend going to continue? Uh, in those two cities, or are the other have the others tapped out and they're going to start to go into a bit of a recession? Because the doom, the, the namesayers, the, the namesayers, name, nays, namesayers. You know, often they they're on a track and they get proven wrong, so I have to quickly pivot in another direction. Mm. And so but it's we talked about this earlier this morning about the the momentum uh, and. But the fact that Sydney and Melbourne had such a big increase yeah. so fast, it's almost like a train starting off, leaving a train station, so it starts off slowly and it gathers that momentum. Mm. But now it's it's correcting, it's it, calming it down. A bit, yeah. It's a bit harder to slow the train down. So, yeah. But that's typical of markets and property markets, particularly when they've accelerated mm. in a short amount of time, like they did, you know, 2021 or thereabouts. Mm. And the big winners, well, everybody was a winner, but the big winners were Sydney and Melbourne. They had the biggest growth. Yes. And when a market's sort of rapidly rising, it gets ahead of itself. And and so there has to be a correction because it, nothing can continue at that rapid rate forever. So we all know there's going to be a correction. We're always trying to time it. Mm. It's a matter – it's not so much will there be a correction. It's the weird. question is when and how much. Yeah. And so the ones that went up the most, Sydney and Melbourne, were the ones that had the largest correction. Mm. And that's all it is. It, it, it's like a, a, a late 2022 correction to those big markets. Mm. And uh, that's because really what it is. Let's open the door to, mm. okay, are we in a property recession? At the moment, Australia-wide, and that's really general, and we're mm. very careful about general, generalising, but the rent, the rental market in some areas is very difficult to get into, meaning there is a shortage. Oh, but yeah. also there has been a massive rent increase in a mm. lot of places. Not mm. all, but definitely Brisbane. It's not over yet. It's not There's over. There's more to come. There's more to come because we've got migration starting. We've got 200,000 people heading here real, real well, soon. That, that's going to put a lot of heat on it. But, but we've had these increases even without that. Mm. And it, it's back to supply and demand. I mean, mm. what drives rental growth? Well, peop, a lot of people that need to rent and not enough houses or apartments or whatever it is they're going to rent. And we still are nationally undersupplied. Yes. As you said, we don't like to generalise too much about the whole nation, but generally we are. Mm. Uh, there might be some spots that have got a bit of oversupply, but nationally we're undersupplied. That puts a lot of pressure on, on, on rent. And, and it, it forces price growth as well. But as you said, the, the, the elephant in the room, and we've been talking about it for a year, suddenly seems to have come out lately, is that traditionally our price growth is predominantly driven by population increase. Mm. 
And population increase is two components. It's natural increase, which is obviously births minus deaths, uh, and overseas migration. And, mm. and traditionally, before COVID, overseas migration... It was just continuous, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and it supplied 60% of the price growth, which ultimately is the biggest driver of value growth. Holy we didn't have any. Wait, yeah. We had a boom with no overseas migration. Mm. Uh, but that's history now, and we've had the, the correction. But it makes you think, when we're about to uh, have at least 200 people... 200,000 two, people. Sorry, 200,000 people, when we are currently under pressure with housing, mm. it, it will be... I've even that, heard I don't see something that like a million anything. applications. Yes. I can't confirm that, but I've heard it from a couple of sources. And why wouldn't you? I mean, look how well... Australia went during the COVID period, you know, in terms of the way we controlled health mm. compared to a lot of other nations. And so we were the envy of many, many nations. Mm. And of course, they'd want to come here. And we've got that pent-up demand that we've always used to have a figure, something like that, in terms of you know, anything for 200, 250,000 coming in from overseas migration just stopped. So you're going to get pent-up demand anyway. Mm. Plus, Australia being an incredible destination and, and a proven one for you know health reasons, it, it's opened the gates. Uh, the government's going to have to somehow control as much as you can. But, of course, the labour market, that's, that's the thing. Mm. You know, it's such a tight labour market that, that we need. Yes. We need the overseas migration in there. We can walk down the street and, and four coffee shops in a row, or cafe, mm. bar, restaurants, have all got uh, staff wanted. Yeah. And we're start, starting to see some uh, wage growth now. And we haven't seen any for a long time. And that's, that's a projection, yeah. But there is going to be some wage growth. How will that affect migration, Bob? Like, will that? I mean, the migration because we we have well, that labour shortage. Yeah, and and look, most I most mean, of them are professionals, so we're not right. We're not like we're bringing two hundred thousand labourers. Mm. Uh, they're they're often educated. They got well. I mean, just to qualify to immigrate to Australia, uh, there's a lot of boxes to tick. Not if you're a Kiwi. You just jump on a plane, well, you're over. So not, not everyone loves that, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, true. But, um, <laughs> you know, the other ones, the other immigrants, are, are generally professional people. They're, they're you know, credentialed. They're, you know, lots of, you know, IT engineers, doctors, and, and, and many other types of professionals. So, and and they, they have money. Yes. And initially, they probably will rent, which will put more pressure on the rental market, but ultimately, they want to buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, looking into the future, that is a big driver of the market, both mm. in rental growth as well and uh, ultimately capital growth on property. And with that rental growth, Bob, it does sort of open that door to people who maybe are considering buying properties as rentals, as investors or developing mm. as, as rental investments or even developers providing rental investments, that lower-end market... Uh, housing market starts to increase increase in price mm. and generally it's the upper end when it when we're looking at house booms it's the upper end that does the big stuff first yeah but this will impact that lower end won't it yeah so when, when prices values take off they often take off in the top end first mm. and then the, the rest of the markets catch up on the way down it's usually the most expensive properties and we saw that in sydney and melbourne first that mm. start to lose value but they did go up the most. And, and all, all corrections are about that. And often there's, there's very little movement, if anything, on the bottom of the market. You, you can have a city that could drop 5% in values. And a majority of that 5% could be in the top third of the market. And, and even the bottom third may have even gone up. 
So, you know, that's segmenting markets, which you often don't get. Well, you do sometimes get segmented market data. We, we haven't gone that far in this discussion. No, and I, I'm, I'm just going to bring it to property developing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when we as developers, we that's why it's so important to understand your patch. It's so important to know mm-hmm. where you're developing because that is a segmented market. And if you're... Uh, I mean, you, we've only had a few people through the mentoring program that do that very high upper end, and I'm saying very mm. high. Mm. You know, most don't. No, and I like the, yeah. the upper part of the middle of the market. Yeah, exactly. And you understand where the growth is or where it's sustaining itself mm. rather than going to an area that is impacted by, yeah. by a segmented market. Mm. Well, that's the thing about property development is it, it's great to look at these stats, and we can look at the national ones. We can look at state stats we can look at capital city stats but as developers we need to go right down to suburban and even sub-suburban because you could have a a flat market in a city and some suburbs are going backwards on value Mm. and some are going forwards Mm. and some can go up rapidly i can remember back around the time in the gfc 208 09 uh when our market went fairly flat because we saw what was happening overseas particularly, but then there was a, there was a boom on the Bayside suburbs of uh, Melbourne. Like They went up like 15% in a year, like Brighton and places like that, uh, in the middle of the GFC. And, uh, yeah, so, like, it, it, you're right. As developers, we have to go right down to... It, to segmented markets. Very segmented to suburban and even sub-suburban mm. because even within a suburb... You can have areas of higher growth. For instance, uh, housing within a school zone of a very popular school, it it will have higher growth within the suburb. Mm. Part of the suburb might have great views from maybe some hills, some high areas. That's going to have a higher level of growth, even sub-suburban, which is where we go as a developer. We have to go right down to that. Uh, And and even, even down to things like orientation because even within a street... You can have two identical lots, same size, same zoning, same, absolutely the same everything. One's on one side of the street and one's on the other. Oh. And even then there can, there can be a price difference Between in, the, in the end value of the product and therefore in the land value. So but quite different. When we're looking at, so we realise there is a bit of a housing shortage. There will, it's been around at, for a long time. And yeah. it's possibly going to get a little bit worse, which will increase rents. Mm. Um, I'm going to open the door I'm, oh, can I bring this to developing now a bit more okay so if we went to the whole development front to me that sounds like it's a great time to be in property development but yep. if you know what you're doing if you know how to crunch the numbers if you know how to we say crunch the numbers but you know how to do your due diligence so it works you don't just buy a site assuming it's going to be a property development and we have plenty of cases where people do ring us up now can you help me but it's too late you've bought a lemon maybe wait 15 years and you'll be okay but you know that's that's a lot of time wasted with money that could be doing other things another thing that is impacting uh, is impacting development is construction how will construction in your opinion be and, and because we know there's going to be a, a, a a wage increase so we might mm. be dealing with wage increase we might be dealing with um, construction costs not sort of calming down what are your thoughts there well we've seen some large increases in construction costs in the range of 20 to 30 percent yes previously a lot of that was 
you know, in, in late 21 into 2022. 20, and that was driven by two factors, really. One was the supply chain, mm. uh, you know, the availability of, of you know, timber. And, and a lot of our building supplies come from China. You know, even things like, you know, full bathrooms and windows, a lot of, you know, a lot of fit-out product. Timber-wise, there was just a big push on timber, you know, and... and uh, because of the, the construction boom. Yeah, the construction boom, and mm. that was instigated by the federal government, you could say, particularly in the, in the housing sector. Oh, that's right, because of the first home buyers. I forgot that well, one. Well, not yes. just the, the, firm, the first home buyers, but, but also by the... Uh, you know, the grant, $25,000 grant, the, and all the incentives that... And, and there were some state incentives on top of the national ones as well, which really kicked the boom off. And the first homeowners were a big recipient of that, but uh, just generally the housing market. Mm. And, that, and that, you know, it was a worldwide boom coming out of COVID. It wasn't just Australia. Uh, it was worldwide. But anyway, that put a lot of pressure on the supply chain. So we had a lot of stuff coming out of China, out of the factories, and the factories were shut down with COVID. Uh, transport costs became extremely expensive. The cost of a container went up 300%. And, and so a shortage of materials uh, and a shortage of labour because there was so much pressure mm. put on labour. So what happens? Uh, well, labour puts its price up, doesn't it? Uh, you know, bricklayers, carpenters, everybody. If there's, if there's you know, a, a lot of work, you put your pricing up. So And so we saw labour increases. We also saw an in- inability to get labour. Mm. You know, builders waiting... You know, six or eight weeks for a bricklayer or a plumber or wh- whatever it was. One so development went to lock up. Yeah, one of them went to lock up. And just went to sleep up. for a while because <laughs> they just couldn't, <laughs> just couldn't get anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was the supply chain of materials. There was shortages of labour, and increases in in labour as well. And that you know that just uh, jacked the prices up. It has improved. Uh, there's you wouldn't lot. say that we'd come back. You would oh, just say improve. It, it'll as probably it's never get down. back to what it was. But, no. But the availability uh, of materials has improved. Yes, quite a lot. Do you think that'll speed up? Con- like that did impact the, the the construction time, which impacts interest. You know, and that, and that impacts fees. Hmm. or impacts the cost of money. So now that we will have a, a bigger, a faster supply of product. Will that improve that? Well, there's still there's still labour shortages, oh, right. and, and that's getting better. Right. Uh, but it's still there, and and builders are still going for longer contracts, even though they're they're often finishing shorter. What's the reason for that, Bob? Well, I think by having a longer contract, it also enables them to take on more work. It's and look, we've seen that in some of the projects we're involved in. Mm. For two or three weeks, you'll get a rush of activity. Oh, my gosh, And you yes. go, holy smokes, look how much they've done in three weeks. And you, and you sort of think forward and you say, oh, it might be a 10-month contract, but they'll, they'll be finished they'll in be, five. They'll, they'll, be out of, they'll be out of here in three well, months. All of a sudden, next three weeks, you never see them. Because they're having a burst of activity and then they go somewhere, somewhere else. else and somewhere else, yes. and then they come back. Bless and them. so they do have nine months or 10 or 11 or 12 to do the duplex. Mm. It's not that they couldn't build it a lot shorter. But by extending the time, they can take on more jobs. Yes. And without the pressure. And, and with supply in, uh, getting better and, and labour getting better, hopefully those time frames will come back. Because they do impact, as you just mentioned, on the feasibilities for a developer. Because the longer the bill period, the more interest we end up paying. And of all the components within a feasibility for development... It costs the money. Well... 
two big things have gone up. Bill costs have gone up, construction yes. prices, but also interest has gone up. Yes. Because of those extended timeframes mm. and because interest rates are going up. Mm. So that puts pressure on on projects, on finding projects that are viable. Can I ask in, in this new world of higher construction costs and higher interest rates? I know we're going sort of all over the place here, but so would it make sense to hire a builder and ask them how many jobs they've got on? Well, you could, but then it still gets back to their access to materials and labour. And labour, yeah. So how big and, is and our labour problem with when it comes to construction? Well, for it, our it, sort it's, of still, developers. It, it's, still a, it's still an issue, yes. and that's why builders... I, I think they're taking longer contracts that could be shorter. Yes. Uh, you know, they're, they're wanting a 12-month contract when an eight-month contract would be, in my opinion, plenty. Well, I know why it is 12 months, because it used to be 12 months, and they maybe need, used to need 12 months, you mm. know. Uh, but that, that will have to come back a bit. But also... There's a lot of uh, labour, although a lot of the people that come in for overseas migration are skilled, there's also a lot of skilled construction workers that come in as well. They're not just, you know, uh, people with two or three degrees. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, doctors, uh, yeah, yeah, often, and yeah. engineers. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and often they'll, they'll have teams themselves, you know. Right. Um, I can remember uh, five story, high, uh, well, it's not a high rise, five stories, but, but the the tiler had a uh, had a gang of Filipino tilers. And, boy, could those guys work. You know, they mm. were great tilers, really neat, but really fast. And because they're contractors and not on wages, they, they didn't mind putting in, you know, 12-hour days on tiling. Just smashed it out. Smashed it out of the park, yeah. So, look, bit of a bit of a recap, I guess. Is it in a recession? Mm. I see 2023... As a, as a very much a settling year. Mm. So I think we pretty much reached rock bottom. We're very close to it in terms of prices receding in, in Sydney and Melbourne, which is really the only places generally that they did. I think the other capitals will bounce along. And, and just do their general steady growth, nothing, yeah, mate. Nothing, just nothing. Go, like, almost go back to a normal style yeah, of, the, the, of just... The three hold, to 5% yeah, yeah, sort just of doing stuff, their really. thing, yeah. Uh, and, and so I think from a price... Uh, you know, value decreases, I, I think, it pretty much bottomed out. And then 2023 is the new year and we're into it now. Inflation is going to take a while uh, to get under control, uh, but it, it's on its way. I think it's start, slowly started to head in the right direction. Mm. Wage growth is a little bit of the elephant in the room because we it's haven't projected. had it for a long time, and that is inflationary. I wonder how what the impact will be there with migration and wage growth whether that will help calm it down a little bit it could calm it down a little bit yeah um but you know some of those drivers of inflation things like uh you know construction cost increases and all that the heat's going out of that we've seen mm. uh you know the price of fuel come back that, yes. that's very inflationary but that's come back that, that drove a lot of that initial you know seven seven and a half percent eight percent uh inflation and so it's some of those things have come out of it. And I think that'll be under control and, and, and it'll slowly recede. I mean, we know that the RBA loves it down around you know, 2 to 3%. It'll be a while before it's that. Mm. But I think we'll see it slowly recede. I think property values, I think, will slowly increase in 2023. And I think Sydney and Melbourne have pretty much had their go. And uh, 
Interest rates. Well, that's the that's the boogie. I think we've got a, a little bit to go. Not much though. It's oh, about to, is it, is oh, maybe it? two, maybe another two twenty five basis point increases, and I think it, it'll pretty much tap out. And and the point is, I, I think the the RBA fit is pretty comfortable because they've got a bit of headroom now. Mm. Like, if, let's say there was another outbreak of some sort of pandemic or something. I mean, it, down around you know one percent unless they've got nowhere to go, and now they've got plenty of headroom. And depending on how the economy runs in the next couple of years, they they got they also have a bit of room to you know ratchet it back a bit if they need to, if they see it that it requires it. So, and we get you get used to interest rates. I mean, it'll probably tap out around the thirty year average, you know, somewhere in that sort of six Five? six and yeah. a half maybe, you know, somewhere around there probably. The standard variables I'm talking about, not the uh, cash rate. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's a, it's a year of settling down, 2023. So is there a property recession? We're both saying no. No, no recession. No. no recession. And we're looking forward to, to 2023 because back to property development just for a moment, and yeah. you, you might want to close it on that, but you see, property development takes time. It's not instant. Like if you buy an investment property, you can go out there today and buy one at today's price. Yes, Property developers, we, we create property and we sell it, and generally that's how we make our money, by selling it. But that's not day one. No. And so let's say we were to go out there today and buy a site for uh, three townhouses. By the time we get our development permit, our building permit, we organise a builder, we get our construction finance sorted out, we then go and build it mm. and we sell it easily two years and, and that'll depend where it is I, I know some councils that are quite quick and you might get a quick builder and you might be out in 18 months but you know realistically it's two years and so if you're selling your product in two years you're not selling it today now you might do your feasibility of course you should do it at today's figures but at the end of the day what's it going to be like in two years when you when you sell it and i think it's going to be great uh, because i see some just modest price increases in the, this this year and next year and look, even if Is that it was in your crystal ball, ball. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, even if it was four uh, percent, yeah, four percent this year, four percent next year. We'll just call that eight, even though it's compounded. Eight uh, percent on a on a eight hundred thousand dollar, you know, property. That that, that makes a bit of difference when yes. you're doing three. It's an extra couple of hundred thousand dollars in your pocket when you get there. Uh, net, uh, and well, our costs going to go up in the meantime. I, I see bill costs getting pretty close to getting tapped out really and there is a fair bit of fat you know uh in in building pricing at the moment mm. can the uh, government for, for, as far as margins go can so, anyone step in to control that oh god the, no you don't want that to happen we don't want government controlling the construction industry no god knows it's too much they kept me on government control i'm a very free market person i think <laughs> I, 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 okay. I almost feel like i live in a communist state as it is you know okay calm calm <laughs> off your ball i shouldn't have opened that can of worms that's uh, ma- market another. look markets always find their own level if they're not interfered with yeah invariably we get interfered with yes you know. and that's when the problem starts well a lot of the boom came off the the back of covid when the government wanted to stimulate the economy and, and had to so they picked one particular industry to stimulate and, and you know the whole construction industry and they picked just one area of it which is basically house building because it it didn't really work with you know medium density longer term uh, development because mm. of the short time frames they put in there that and the FOMO and everything else that came out, you know, that's that, that was the driver. Actually, Bob, there was one thing we haven't really covered off. The mm. impact of, I know New South Wales has the, the potential for either no stamp duty 
or no land tax. What impact? Oh, will, that's on the first that, homeowners thing. Yeah, will that have much impact? I only just heard about that. Well, of course, you almost need. Is it a choice? Some they get, sort or of how does a it break. Work? Well, I think they get a choice. I think it might be a choice. I haven't gone into it at yeah. the moment. I only just heard about it a matter of a day or two ago. Uh, but because of the high values in in Sydney. Mm. Uh, Medium for, price, one point five mil is medium, isn't it? Oh yeah, medium. it's up around. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so in order to to assist the first homeowners, I mean, they're, they're having to pay a lot more. Let's say a first homeowner in Sydney pays a lot more than a first homeowner for a comparable house. You might say in you know, I don't know, Perth, Adelaide, Adelaide anywhere, Brisbane, you know? yeah. So some of those incentives need to be there. The, the, the state government often fills with. No, zero stamp duty, that's been around a lot with a lot of states, because remember it is a state by state thing, mm. uh, but land tax too land tax can get very ugly when the values of properties get up, uh, so that's that can be a good thing, that's probably more of a future thing, because as your values go up your land tax goes up, whereas your mm. stamp duty only pay it once when you purchase, mm. and so you know, a bit of a trade off one might be, the, the immediate help is probably the stamp duty, the mm. longer term thing, if you were to look at, look at it and, and cash flow it over 10 years, it might be stamp duty You know, but yeah. most first home buyers, let's face it uh, it's all about now. Mm. Uh, they're not really looking at uh, you know that that land tax might be might be a better deal to go with over a ten year period. Mm. They're all about getting into and the house now. And it might be you know? the difference between getting started and not. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we've got you know federal government incentives as well, which are still operating uh, with the, you know the five percent deposit. Yeah. So yeah, pl- plenty still there for first homeowners. They did move out of the market a bit. Uh, interest rates. Well, I mean it doesn't help. Mm. Uh, but. We're going to get used to it. We got so used to low interest rates that you know standard variable rates of you know five or six percent seem really expensive, but mm. yep. but not in my lifetime. M- mine either. No, yeah. goodness, no. So um, yeah, it'll it, well, people get just get used to interest rates and as infla- humans, inflation. So inflation we is will get under control and we'll peg back and values will slightly increase and everyone will be happy again. And uh, mind you. They'll always be out there trying to find a negative story. Yeah. But anyway, that's our positive story. So we think get into it if you're a property developer. And if you want to check out what we have available course-wise, jump on our website, propertymastermind.com.au. But before we finish, I've got to give away a copy of the book, Property Millionaires Exposed. Uh, remember, page 121 is Bob's chapter on property development. But this has quite a few very cool property strategies. If you'd like a copy of this book, you should email me and uh, I'll put you in the drawer. But this week, the book goes to Sam... I'm sorry, Sam, your last name is difficult. Confoust, I'm going to go with. Anyway, Sam, I will be popping a copy of this in the book to you in the next day or two. And um, that's about it from us. I hope you found that an interesting topic. Well, uh, we in every, a property everybody recession. has their opinion. I'd like to hear other people's opinions too. Yeah, feel free to comment, send us an email. Subscribe to us on YouTube and tell us what you think. That would be a great idea. And if you find this episode interesting, we would love you to share it with somebody who you think might be interested as well. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. All right, that's us. Bye for now. Bye now. See ya.